everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. I'll never forget the first time Lisa and I went to Las Vegas. We were in a taxi cab cruising down the strip, and we looked at all of the signage. We, we couldn't believe the signage. No one does signage like they do in Las Vegas. They're advertising casinos. They're advertising different musicians and movie stars and shows and sex and buffets. And we're just like, whoa, unbelievable. The signage in Las Vegas is absolutely stunning. I thought to myself, you know, Las Vegas doesn't have a lot to say, but they really know how to say it. Those of us who call ourselves Christians, we, we have everything to say, but so often we don't know how to say it. The Bible tells us that we're here to glorify God, to glorify God. Now, when I say to glorify God, I'm not talking about to glorify him. It should be exciting, exhilarating. I've got to ask you, though, are you an advertisement of the glory of God, or would you say you're into false advertising? Because all of those signs that we took in from Las Vegas, they were elevating messages, and they were exalting messages, and obviously, they believed in these messages. The meaning of life is to glorify God. What does it mean to glorify God? It means to reflect his activities and attributes in everything we do say, touch, and feel. Because God glorifies God in everything he does, says, touches, and feels. There's no way you'll comprehend it, nor will I, but I had to throw that out because that's what the Bible says. We have to understand the fact that we're not going to understand God, that he's outside the universe, yet inside of our life. We have to understand that God sustains us and maintains us. He's massive, yet he's minuscule. He's dynamic and also detailed. He knows when a bird falls to the ground and he holds the galaxies in his hands. We can't understand him, measure him, quantify him, or qualify him. We can't really compare him with anything or anyone anywhere because he's God and he is glory. It's the isness of God. He doesn't need anything outside of himself to make himself better or more glorious. He doesn't need clicks or views or likes. He doesn't need t-shirts or he doesn't need songs or he doesn't need churches or hospitals named after him. We can't tweak him. We can't oblige him. We can't obligate him. He is God. He's sovereign and specific, powerful and prolific, massive and microscopic. God, our great God. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 7 says, everyone Everyone who is called by my name, I have created for, let's say it, my glory. My glory. So we're here to glorify God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says the following. Then God said, 
let us, us, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. That's the Imago Dei. The Imago Dei. We're made in the image of God. I say Imago, you say Dei. Imago, Imago. That's being made in the likeness of God. We're not animals. We're not spawning salmon. We're not dogs in heat. We are made in the likeness of God. As you read the Hebrew in Genesis chapter one, it's just almost like a hip hop song, like Kanye. And all of a sudden, what, what, what? It goes off. God goes off and then he creates man. We're unique. We're different. We're not educated apes. We're not. We're human beings made in the image of God. Now, some of the attributes of God are communicable. Others are non-communicable. For example, I'm going to talk about some non-communicable attributes of God in a little while. But the attributes that are communicable would be love, grace, forgiveness, creativity. Whenever you see someone and you go, wow, look at the commitment of that person, you're seeing the glory of God. Look at how that person helps someone less fortunate. You're looking at the glory of God. You're driving down the strip in Las Vegas in a taxi and you see the creative signs and, and the architecture. Well, that's a sliver of the glory of God. Your, your ability to relate and your desire to relate to someone, that's the glory of God. Wanting to get together with your family. That's the glory of God. We have to come to a point in our lives, though, where we make a choice. And it's the free will of man and the sovereignty of God, and those are two rivers that only meet in the mind of God. You have a choice, my friend, so do I. I either turn the mirror off myself and put it towards God or not. And if I don't do that, then I'm never going to discover the meaning of life. If I do do that, then I'm going to discover the meaning of life. I'm justified. I'm saved by grace through faith. Then the sanctification process happens as I grow and as I reflect and as I elevate and exalt the glory of God. So again, when you're around your spouse, are you advertising God? When you're in the boardroom, are you advertising God when you're performing surgeries? Are you advertising God when you're with that client? Are you advertising God? How about in the locker room with the teammates? Are you advertising God? What does your life say about God? When God looks at you and looks at me, he wants to see reflected back his glory. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, whatever you do, that means whatever you do. <laughs> do it all for the what? The glory of God. Let me give you some handles, some simple but not shallow ways to glorify God where you are today. Notice that glorifying God is a response. It's a response. When I glorify God, I should respond to his identity, to God's identity. We've been talking about the isness of God. 
God is. He is. And it's interesting as he unfolds the story of his glory, how he substitutes his, his name for his nature because his nature is his name and his name is his nature. God, God says from cover to cover, I want you to be just riveted by the fact that I exist. So when it talks about the identity of God and who God is, we need to look at the omnis, the omnis, the omni. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient and he is omnipotent. That reminds me of what happened a while back, I walked outside, standing in my driveway, it was at night, noticed the, the spotlight kind of shining down on the cement, and, and I saw in the shadow what looked like an alien. And as I looked closer, it was a magnificent beetle. I think it's called maybe an emperor beetle. He was just walking across the driveway. So, I thought, I'm going to go face to face with this beetle. I don't know why I did it, but I did. And I got down on his level. And I just looked at the beetle. <laughs> have you ever stared in the 400 eyes of a beetle? I don't know how many eyes they have. I just made that up. But this beetle was massive. You can see the biceps and triceps. And I think he had a shirt on that read, I CrossFit or something. So he was, this is my beetle face, just cruising along methodically, confidently, slowly, right toward me. And I thought to myself as I was looking at him, this thing's not gonna alter his course. He's not gonna go to the right or to the left, he's gonna come straight toward me. Then I, I found a stick, took the stick, and the beetle crawled on the stick, and I took the beetle to the grass, and I let him move out on his merry way to beetledom. That's my Beatles story. That's pretty much it. But, you know, sometimes we're like Beatles, aren't we, when it comes to the things of God? We don't realize, like that Beatle did, who we're messing with. I mean, if I wanted to, I could have smashed and squashed the Beatle. I wouldn't do that because I love the Wild Kingdom. But I could have because I'm stronger, I'm powerful. Also, the beetle had no idea that I'm about 10 times smarter than him or her, who knows the gender. Then <laughs> he didn't know that I owned the driveway and legally speaking, I guess, I owned the stick I used to take the beetle from the cement to the grass. We see God that way. We don't know who we're messing with. We don't realize the power of God. We don't realize the knowledge of God. We don't realize the presence of God. We don't. We think God is on earth for us. I've got news for you. God is not here for me. God is not here for you. Jesus is not your homeboy. Jesus was and is the full manifestation of the glory of God. So, I'm here for God. God's not here for me. Yet God is omnipotent. If we knew his power, we wouldn't believe it. 
One of the reasons that we're so enthralled with power lunches or powerful people or going on cool trips or, 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 or bow hunting in Africa, you know, the wildebeest, we just want to be in touch with that, with that power. And could that be a desire to, to, to have a greater power, which is the power of God? The, the Bible says when we become believers that, that the power of God, the Holy Spirit, comes into our lives. And the Bible calls this power dunamis. We get the word dynamite from it. But I want you to know, you should glorify God, so should I, just because he's powerful. We have no idea how powerful he is. Not only is he omnipotent, he's omniscient. He knows everything. Everything. For God, time is now. I've been saying that when we glorify God, we reflect his glory in everything we do say, touch, and feel, but God knows what we're going to do before we do it, what we're going to say before we say it, what we're going to touch before we touch it, and what we're going to feel before we feel it. And within that, and this doesn't make sense, it'll make your head swirl, we have a freedom of choice. So God is omniscient. There's no such thing as any conversation on the down low. There's no such thing as deleting something or scrubbing something or, or, oh, God didn't know that. He knows it all, yet he still loves you and me. I love that. That God loves you and me, knows our thoughts. God also is omnipresent. We serve an all everywhere God. If I could grab some of God, I would grab his essence, everything about him. His isness, his otherness, his omnipotence, his omniscience, his omnipresence. The same is true if I grabbed air. I would grab all the essence of air. Sometimes, though, I think I'm sort of hiding from God. And if you are that way, maybe you're like my granddaughter, Sterling. There she is. Where's Sterling? Where's Sterling? Sterling, where are you? Where's Sterling? Sterling, where's Sterling? That's what I look like when I think I've done something away from God. And that's what you look like too. Oh, no one sees that. No one really knows where I'm going. No one knows I thought that. Well, that's how we look in the brilliant blaze of God's glory. Yet, let me say it again, he still loves us. So I need to glorify God because of his identity. His identity. We show our ID everywhere these days. Just try to jump on an airplane. ID, ID, ID. And they're gonna see if it's authentic. They're gonna see if it matches. I'm afraid that many of us don't have a, a real identification of who God is, because if we really knew who God was and is, it would change the way we do life. Wow. So I'm responding to the identity of God. Well, there's something else. I also, as I glorify God, another practical way, I can respond to his Activity, his activity. 
If you just consider what God has done in the past, the Bible talks about that. We think about God's love, his grace, his sovereignty, his glory, what he's doing right now in the present, and the Bible talks about that. Think about your life, what he's done in the past. Think about what he's doing now in the present. Think about what he's going to do in the future. We need to respond also when it comes to the glory of God, to his creativity, to his creativity. I've, I've written and talked about this subject for many, many years. God is creative, and all of us are creative because we've been made in the image of our creative creator. So whenever we say we're not creative, we're making it mockery of God's creative genius. What I want you to think about, though, is just coming in contact with the glory of God. All you gotta do is just walk outside, and you'll see the splendor of God. Now, kids, I know some of you have not been outside in two, three years. Walk outside and just look around. You won't believe what you'll see. Let me throw some verses your way. John chapter one, verse three. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Job chapter 12, verses seven and 10. Ask the animals and they'll teach you or the birds of the sky and they will tell you or speak to the earth and it will teach you or let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of all of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature, the breath of all mankind. Psalm 96, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. The heavens declare the glory of God, Psalm 19 says, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Drop the mic. <laughs> Walk outside and look up. Look at the sky. I should glorify God because one day Jesus is going to come again from the sky to right here. Think about the clouds. We always have clouds coming and going. And, and, and the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we have a cloud, a crowd of witnesses cheering us on as we run the race. And I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and I was telling her, because she recently has lost her husband, that I really believed, I don't know how, that the dead in Christ, who are now alive and they're glorifying God, can actually see maybe all or some of the stuff we're doing. How about water? Hopefully you took a shower this morning or a bath or whatever. Jesus said, I am the living water. You go outside and look at trees. I love trees, 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 trees. Growth. We should be like, a tree, the Bible says, planted before streams of living water. Have you been planted? Have you received Christ? I love fruit. Organic fruit, that is. The Holy Spirit of God comes inside of our lives, and what happens? He works from the inside out to produce fruit. Not plastic fruit. Not fruit for our consumption, but the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and, you know. How about flowers? You like flowers? I know some people love flowers. I, I do. I need to give Lisa flowers more than I do. The Bible says 
the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. So everything I see should cause me to glorify God. How about dirt? That's where we come from, dirt. God, thank you for dirt. We have rocks. We look at rocks. Jesus said, build your foundation on the rock. Sand? Do you realize that Scripture says that that the thoughts that God has about you and me are as numerous as the sands on the seashore. Again, see, we can't even comprehend all of this, but I wanted to just throw it out. And then we walk, you know, everybody walks. You know, I have a, I have a unique walk, as I said. I have kind of a pimp limp, you know. <laughs> you know somebody, I, I, I love the coaches walk. You know, all coaches kind of walk like this because they've been beat up because they were former football players, you know. The little coaches come out there. I love coaches now. They have so much paraphernalia on. I mean, they're, they're, it's like they're carrying four or five computers and headsets, and, and you know, everybody walks differently. Some people walk on their toes. You know? And then some pastors have that holy hunch, you know. Whenever you see someone walk, think about walking with Jesus because that's the Christian life. But we can't walk until we take the first step. And the first step is becoming a Christian. So we have an opportunity to walk, to do life with Jesus. How about talking? How about texting? You know, we do that. Some of us just text. We don't talk anymore, but we're communicating. The Lord Jesus wants to communicate with you and me. Fog. This summer, Lisa and I saw a lot of fog, and the fog all of a sudden would dissipate. The writer of James says, life is like fog. It's like a mist. Here one moment, gone the next. Again, we're just one and done here to glorify God. Any scars on you? I have a cool scar from here to there when I had my mitral valve surgery. The scar should remind me that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And one time he, he went face to face with doubting Thomas. He said, Thomas, just, just, just look, look at the scar. Touch, touch the scar. Touch the scar. Have you ever cried? Have you ever shed tears over who knows or whatever and when, how? I don't know. We all have. Uh, the psalmist said that God literally, literally, he used this terminology, has a bottle for your tears and mine. God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the water of life. Jesus said that. And he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the door. He said, I am the true vine. So it's the isness of God. So, glorify God. I mean, put your sign up for God. No false advertising, no smoke and mirrors. You can take a page out of the Las Vegas playbook, but make sure that you have the authentic God-glorifying sign of His actions, 
activities and attributes in everything you do, say, touch, and feel. Because then you'll have no faded glory. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.